<laughs> you know, this conversation right here. Uh, all right. So reiterate that I can only talk to Brian. And then Brian will relay that to you. No, no, no. We'll, we'll sort it out once we're started. So. But actually, only I can talk to you using Instant Messenger, so nobody will actually hear me. Oh. Okay. Well, why don't we start? I have with me today Jess Jerkovic and Brian Jacob once again for our annual Doctor Who podcast for season four of the, what would you call this, the restart of Doctor Who? Sure. Doctor Who 2.0, as they say in the modern parlance. Well, of course they do. I was talking to Jackie about this earlier today, and when did the... I know I could just look this up on the internet, but you guys are experts, so I don't have to. Doctor Who started in, what was it, 64 maybe? 63. Ah, oh, I was close. I was saying 64, just off the top of my head. Well done, though. Ah. Hmm. Good, good, good. And we are on the ninth Doctor, officially? Tenth. tenth. Is it the tenth Doctor? So did they count the... Uh, the Doctor Who, the, the TV show slash radio show Doctor between series? Uh, general, generally speaking, they count Paul McGann. <clears throat> so they do. And, yeah, even the BBC and surrounding entities do. Right, so if you didn't count him, the current Doctor would be the ninth Doctor. Number nine, that's right. But we do, so he is. He's the tenth. Yeah, he's generally known as the tenth Doctor. And so there's only three left. Uh, well, if you go by that old rule, which was laid down in the classic series, that uh, Time Lord can only regenerate, what, 12 times or something? I thought it, I thought it was 13. Oh, yeah, right, right. In the 12 he can have 13 times. incarnations, which means right. he can regenerate 12 times. Right. Only if that is still true is that likely. But I don't see any reason why they need to, like, stick with that. You know? but, I think well, it's just I... one line of dialogue and they can... Oh, I know, exactly. So. Right, but I mean, one line of dialogue goes a long way with uh, Doctor Who fans. They make it into law sometimes, and so uh, I think I think the new series can do what it likes, and that'll be good. You know, I don't think they're going to stop. You know, after <laughs> two or three more actors or whatever, just to you know, because oh well, that's the way it's got to be. No, they'll find a way. You they have the a feather with... of Gallifrey. Well, that means you get as many lives as you want. That's right. <laughs> <Ding>. <laughs> I have the I have the chia pet of Rassilon. I do think they should maybe draw from the old series a little bit more. I think I, they're doing it all the time. Actually. Oh, I think we'll get into that. I oh, think we, we will. will too. Yeah, I think they did a little bit more in this season, Definitely. but I, I, especially in the uh, the third season, it seemed well, or the second. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. It seemed like the first season of the reimagining, they, they made a bunch of new kinds of creatures, and they really wanted to bring those back to second season. Even though I... I uh, you know what? I'm digressing. Let's just start. Okay. Uh, season four. Season four. Well, if, if we're starting, there's... You know, we wrapped up on season three. There's um, some ephemera. I don't know if we want to address. There was a an animated cartoon. Ugh. Oh, right. I couldn't watch... Yeah, I couldn't either. It was terrible, so... Uh. <laughs> Oddly terrible because the actual character illustration, if not the animation, was actually fairly well done. Which was this? This was the Infinite Quest. Uh, during season two and three, there was like a kids news oh. magazine for Doctor Who. And so they thought to keep people watching, they'll have a sort of an animated adventure. Right. Is that the, at one the end with, of the show? Uh, was that with Anthony Head? Yeah, that's right. So they okay. had this sort of 
you know, five minute mini adventure thing and they uh, compiled them all into one 45 minute episode and showed it at the end. And it actually had the original cast and it, it wasn't really deep on plot or anything. It was just kind of running around. But I it was there. It a bit unwatchable. I didn't, I don't think I got anything further than the first episode. It yeah. wasn't, I, it wasn't, it was definitely for the kids. Okay, that's fine. But it was sort of sad because I thought the production quality, at least the illustrations, I thought they did a good job with the the rigging of the characters. I, I don't think that the animators were particularly awesome, but mm-hmm. whoever made the characters did a good job making them look good. Well, this would be the same animators that did the um, right. I know what you're going to say. The, the invasion, right? It right. is actually, yeah. And that they I also thought was, that was the, uh, they also did the. Uh, sort of first attempt at the ninth doctor right before they announced the show was coming back. They uh, did it. Do you remember right. that? It was, right. It was uh, sort of the crabby looking guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Richard, Richard e. Grant. Grant. Yeah. 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 I didn't buy that one either. <clears throat> but uh, that story, whatever it was, scream of the Shalka or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. So okay. Brian, I, I didn't actually go back and listen to the end of the last one. Like you, requested i do so could you give us a little synopsis of what we said if you remember all right we gave like predictions didn't we uh now you got me because i'm trying to remember what we said Um, i've only listened to that uh, podcast once so i know that we were as a group generally not happy with Mm -hmm. sort of the unevenness of season three it kind of didn't quite get off the ground it didn't give it didn't serve the uh companion character very well Mm mm-hmm um, she was treated kind of poorly and ended up leaving on her own accord. Uh, so I think as a group, we were hoping for a bit more consistency in the storytelling and uh, just a better companion relationship, I think. Right. I, I could be wrong, they, but that's that's what I remember. I think they really screwed up because they they were trying too hard to try to recreate the magic between the Doctor and Rose. Yeah. But then they only started it half-heartedly, and nobody bought it. No, and and it, it couldn't... I think nobody really thought it could be... I, I don't know if they necessarily were trying to make it exactly like Rose, because it was obviously different. But, yeah, it, it, it never even had a choice. It was, it was not even close to being the same. It couldn't be, so... Right. But basically, she... Yeah, it was a companion who had feelings for him, but just this time it was unrequited. Right, right. So. so let's start in on season four of the reimagining of Doctor Who. Uh, First thing I think perhaps we should talk oh, about is right. our, our feelings about Catherine Tate when we heard that she was going to be the new companion. I know there was some, you know, concern. Oh, which, yeah. Right, because I really hated the um, Annoying Bride or whatever the heck that one was called. <laughs> 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 they, well, I'm sorry. Was it the irritating bride? The, the perturbing bride. Pretentious um, bride. No. Uh, it was the runaway bride. Oh, the runaway. Well, that's right, right, right. Not, not the irritation. No, no. There was no sort of judgment in the title. Oh, well, I judged it. Yes, you did. I, I, you guys, I, I liked it. I know you liked it, which is odd because when it came to the Titanic episode that they had, the Christmas episode, I actually thought that was relatively good. Yeah. And I know you were not a big fan of it. I don't remember what Jess thought. Jess? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hang on. I don't know if you want to do this in editing or not. Do we want to talk about 
the tenth doctor meeting the fifth doctor. Oh, Ooh. let's talk about that. And and just just to uh, heads up, I probably won't edit this unless you say something that really needs to be edited out. Okay, um, okay so we're just kind of all over the place. All over so, the place, but that's so, how the that's how the fans like it. So we won't sound sound as clever and as erudite as we did in the first one, which you edited so beautifully. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. You'll take out all my uhs and dehs and all that. Not this time, though. Oh, great. <laughs> okay, so get them all the way now. Okay. Duh. Uh, uh, um, uh, well, uh... All right, I think that meets, you do. Tenth meets fifth. Yep. So... What was that about? This was Children in Need again, was it? Well, they they did a very clever thing. Um, basically, the third season ended the final moments where the Titanic crashed through the side of the TARDIS, and uh-huh. it just kind of ended. There was a cliffhanger. And then they uh, did a sketch for um, Children in Need, which is an annual charity event that the BBC does. And so they had created this scene. They took a cue from some oh, of these. Oh, hey, Brian. Yep. You're popping the mic. Oh, sorry. There you go. Just a little bit back. Just a tag because you're pretty good most of the time. How's this? Now you're like you're across the room. Near and far. <laughs> like Grover. <laughs> no. <laughs> Near and far. Thank you. <laughs> How's, how's that? Is that better? That's that's a little bit better. Go ahead. That seems pretty good. <laughs> okay. Oh, pop, pop. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, they uh, so they decided to do this um, sort of sketch, something a little special, and they invited Peter Davison to uh, recreate his role of the Fifth Doctor. So they they had a little sketch where the Tenth Doctor met the Fifth Doctor, uh, and it was written in a way that I was going to say they took a cue from some of the books and the. Uh, audio CDs that take place in sort of the past history of Doctor Who, they sort of take place between adventures. So if you read the book or saw the story or heard the story, it fits into that continuity. But if you didn't, then it doesn't affect anything. So basically the Titanic crashes into the TARDIS, but then they inserted this sketch uh, that sort of takes place in between like the seconds where he flips the switch and the Titanic crashes. There's all of a sudden eight new minutes of story. Right. Uh, which I thought was pretty neat, a neat way to do it. Yeah. It was rather intriguing to see the first, like, I guess we've seen Sarah Jane and K-9, so we've seen other more overt references to the classic story. But one of the things that the classic series had done, beginning with the three Doctors in 1973, was, you know, occasionally bring back uh, previous actors to, you know, be the doctor at the same time as the current one, or sometimes even as many as five as they did for the 20th anniversary. So this was the first time that the new series had ever brought anyone, uh, any previous doctor uh, back, even just for a few minutes. So that was really quite something and quite, uh, quite different from the, uh, from, I guess what we, I, what I had expected is that it was sort of, it was somewhat tried to be kind of a clean break originally and now they've like slowly been bringing in so many more elements and we're going to talk about how i think this particular series had so many more references to the old series than had mm-hmm. they had in the past so anyways it's kind of kind of extraordinary um i thought if you're gonna do it that they did a fine job with it but it it was just sort of um 
it didn't really add anything for me. I didn't go awesome or anything. I was like, oh yeah, like that. I thought it was sweet. I, I thought like, Peter da- Peter Davison was 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 the doctor again. Yep, he was he was himself, and it was it was it was cute. Sure, I mean it wasn't horrible. It was no irritating bride. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's harmless. that's all the nonsense out of the way. Let's let's just jump into uh, season four for real this all time. Right. No, 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 no. We got to do the Christmas one first. That, that yeah, is. we consider that season four. Uh, it's not listed on the thing as all. I, well, probably not. What, what was it called? It was called uh, Titanic Voyage, Follies. Voyage of the Damned. Something oh, very right. Christmassy. You know. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I liked it actually. I'm not sure if I liked it because Brian said it was a it was awful, or if because I. <laughs> so you just wanted to disagree with me? No, I I think I had had a big break from Doctor Who, and it was refreshingly Doctor Who-ish. You know what I mean? All right, Brian, did you really think it was awful? I I just was not into it at all. Okay. At all, and so the premise is that the Titanic that crashed into the TARDIS was not actually the real Titanic. It was a spaceship uh, replica of the Titanic that was on some sort of uh, themed cruise. Mm -hmm. So it was a bunch of aliens orbiting the Earth celebrating Christmas. Mm -hmm. Right. That it was. And then it turned into the Poseidon Adventure. (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) But that's not unusual for, for many series to do things like that, where they take a popular movie premise and just sort of mix it up a little bit. I guess it didn't bother me that it was the Poseidon. I, I mean, that that kind of bothered me because I could yeah. figure out, okay, that they got to go, you know, the ship is in danger and they're trying to, you know, this ragtag bunch of people are trying to make their way out. That bothered me. But then the other thing that bothered me was um, this sort of forced relationship between the Doctor and Astrid, the pop star. The pop star, who was great, and she looked fantastic, and I thought she mm-hmm. did a great job. But I just remember, I looked at the time, and it was like eight minutes in, they're already having the sort of generic conversation of, oh, it's a better life when you're traveling on your own, and maybe we could do travel together. And just so, I found it so over-the-top and syrupy and forced that <laughs> they had just met and they're already talking like this. I'm like, mm. yeah, she is absolutely beautiful, but come on. I kind of I felt guess... that he was sort of playing it up because he was lonely. It's like, I don't have any companions. I'll just relive those sort of companion-type memories, and perhaps this will be my new companion. We'll see how it goes. Well, that could be true, but then he hasn't had time to be lonely. This like is, this this is, was... this is seconds after oh, yeah, that's his true. departure from Martha. So that doesn't really that doesn't That's right. The the what ending. Which I'm glad oh, yes. they didn't do this time because I would have uh, we'll get killed them. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that eventually. Right. Well, I actually enjoyed the story quite a bit. I thought it was I thought it was really fun. I thought it was uh an interesting adventure. I liked the cast. Um I liked the robots of death. I'm sorry, the host uh, I liked. Um, you want to explain that reference? Um, sure, I could. There's a classic uh, Tom Baker story called "The Robots of Death," and um, actually, there are more than just you know passing similarities. They are sculpted 
robots that look like humans, like even the hair on them is sculpted and the faces. They mm. talk in, in very soothing human tones, which sound a bit like a robot trying very hard to be a human, but not quite like, you know, Max sound when they're reading speech or whatever, but right. they, they do a better job. Um, however, um, one of the, uh, one of the catchphrases from the robots of death was this one robot, which had been, um, damaged in some way and was going around going, kill, 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 which is exactly what happened. Not just that. There's also the moment, I'm sorry to be a geek about this. There's the moment where uh, they're trying to get <laughs> Oh, please, his... Jess, don't be a geek about Dr. Who. <laughs> I know, let's I really... Not, let's not start apologizing now. <laughs> this, is the, this is the I, third time we've done this. <laughs> yeah, okay, point taken. I, I, will, I, will, uh, I will embrace it fully. Um, there's the moment when the host is trying to get on the bridge, and Midshipman Frame is in there still trying to keep control of the bridge, and he manages to shut the door, except the robot gets a hand in. And uh, the hand being, like... uh, uh, cut off from the robot and falling onto the ground with a clang is precisely duplicated from Robots of Death. So that was... Pretty a pretty exacting homage, I guess is a you know delicate word to the robots of death. A, a classic story. Uh, it's one of the best of the Tom Baker era, one of the best of the classic series. But it was just at first I found that to be a bit pandering, but it's I guess it's okay. Well, if if it set the tone for bringing in more of the oldie time series references and right, but that's that. However, in our first podcast, I remember specifically having the conversation of saying one of the things I hated about the end of the classic series was its insistence on bringing back enemies and characters that didn't need to be brought back. And the robots of death were (laughs) awesome the way they were, and we didn't need a rehash. Right. You know? Like the Daleks, every, every other episode. I don't, I think the Daleks are exempt from that because they are awesome. (laughs) <laughs> Would you like some pepper? <laughs> Seasonings. All right. Anyway, so that's Adam is obsessed place. with them. By the way. Oh, oh yeah. Good. Good. He totally is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good boy. So that's wait. just my thing about robots of death. But I thought I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened in the story. Um, but I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, you always have to expect a little bit less from. From Christmas, because they always have to make it a bit camp, you know. Oh, yeah. um, I enjoyed, um, what's his name? Clive, the actor of, um, the actor who plays the guy who, who is an expert on... Mr. Earth- Copper. Yeah, on Earthology. That was um, funny. So, that was wait, very... that, I'm sorry, is that his name? No, no, that's the character's name. The, the character's name was Mr. Name. Copper. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Okay, I need to bring that up later, so please remind me of that. Um, yeah, he was cute, and I like that. And it was fun also because we got to meet, uh, before we realize, we get to meet Donna's grandfather. Right. Yeah. Right, and right. That, that, that was a surprise to me because I know that actor from the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movie of 1966. Uh, he he played one of the companions, and now he's back on Doctor Who again. So that was cool. And then to have him turn up in the rest of the series was, I thought, great because well, we'll talk about that later. But I thought he was brilliant. So, if there's one thing that could have left out of that episode, completely left out, 
It was the queen waving and saying, thank you, doctor. Oh, oh yeah, well, that, that was classic Christmas silliness in camp. So Classic awful. Classic awful, yes. They, but, really, should, they really shouldn't do things like that. Um, they should have learned with Silver Nemesis how not to you know, include the queen in, in, uh, in Doctor Who. But they, they, they didn't get that message. Well, especially since they sort of have that other sort of storyline going on with the royalty know about him. I well, mean, I guess I guess that that would make sense where she says thank you, Doctor, and all that too. But it seemed like they left off not really liking him that much. Yeah, what the devil? What the devil is she doing right outside? I know, as waving this, as, this, as this ship is just about to you know destroy Buckingham Palace. What's she doing outside? That's something for, again. That's something for the kids. I bet. Of kids course, <laughs> have their heads off. Yeah. I, that may be more for our British friends than us. Perhaps so. <laughs> Perhaps so. So what about this chap, Max Capricorn, the, uh, the head of the uh, company that runs these cruise liners? Oh, you mean when he came out with a, in a head? I, yeah. was so, I was so disengaged by that point. I was just kind of like... Right, <laughs> uh, I, I, I found it rather interesting in retrospect because he's almost like a spoiler for Davros, a man in a robotic chair with just a head. Whoa, I think you're reading a little bit into that. Could be, could be. I think so. I, I think there's many, many better uh, spoilers for Davros than that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, it has. I think it's a bit of um, unintentional symmetry, you know. No, I mean, I'm not calling it a spoiler. It's more like a sort of bit of telegraphy. Nothing. I don't think they thought that. If anything, they thought, I hope people don't think this is like Davros. They said, oh, damn, we, we run out of budget. What are we going to do? Put the guy on a uh, head. I don't care. <laughs> I actually think uh, there was actually one more classic reference in that whole Max Capricorn thing. Mm-hmm. He's this dude with a bald head. Yeah. In a, in a, not a wheelchair, but in, you know, some device which he, you know, uh, d- you know, drives around on his own. And at one point he's talking to the doctor and then he says, this interview is terminated. Which is, oh! which is from the Sunmakers, where there was this chap, an alien in a, in a wheelchair with a bald head, who dismissed the companion Leela with exactly the same words. Well, I think that it's obvious that the person who wrote that episode was a big Doctor Who nerd. Well, could that be the big Doctor Who nerd of Russell T. Davis? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I had a good time with it. but anyway, there you are. I think part of my enjoyment for that was my expectations were set way low because Brian said it was bad. I said if Brian thinks <laughs> it's bad and he liked the one that I hated, it must yeah. be a real turd. And, it, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it, you, Joe's uh, usually Joe. You're usually the only one who has really virulent feelings about these uh, <laughs> these shows. Um, mostly about last season. I'm pretty ambivalent to this season. I had some issues, and we'll get to them. But overall, um, this season was much better. Mm-hmm. And part of the things that I thought was much better about it is it actually had, for most, a lot of it had the feeling of the old series in it. Really? I felt, I felt, I don't know if it was because of the way they were doing the sets or the way that, actually, I think it was how they were framing shots a lot. Um like how they introduced monsters and uh, how they, how they, you know, in the old one, they'd always sort of introduce new monsters throughout this. You get to see a little bit more of them on and off. And they, oh, did, okay. they did the same sort of thing, especially with like the um, uh, Centaurin thing. 
or Santar, how do you say it? Santaran. Santaran, especially with them, that one felt a lot like like an early '80s sort of um, Doctor Who to me. Hmm. It had that feeling. I don't know if it was because the um, <laughs> just sort of the way they did some of the sets, and I think they framed it, and like the hand coming in. You know, it just it felt oldie times to me. Interesting. But um, but let's let's let's, let's start with the first one. Let's see, Partners yeah. in Crime. Partners in Crime. Partners in Crime. Yay, Donna's back! Hooray! <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great fun. I thought um, the the parallel story they told, where both the Doctor and Donna are infiltrating this company and figure out what's going on. I thought it was exciting to see that Donna, yet another person whose imagination and intellect has been fired. By fired up by meeting uh, by meeting the doctor, and this time it's only been one time. It hasn't been a whole trip, but I thought that was cool the way she was like curious and like she had the guts to just go in there and figure things out. And I thought it was great. I'm gonna be honest. I kind of like this episode too, but yeah. I would have to say if you were an alien who could get rid of make fat people skinny, that you wouldn't have to hide. Just say, hey guys, alien. <laughs> Um, don't get anxious, uh, but if you can handle it, you could be as skinny as you want. And I, and you know, everyone would sign right up for that. Yes, but they aren't just getting skinny, are they? Like we, <laughs> we saw that one girl, Stacy being completely dissolved into fat. But remember, they only got completely dissolved if they got anxious. <laughs> Or I suppose. You should not take adipose if you get anxious. It's <laughs> completely combust. Side effects were mild and included. Side effects. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought that was a fine episode. I thought the part where they're talking across the room and oh, then, they're like, mouthing the, each other, that's classic. That right, and, really and the lady's just watching them. <laughs> that was that so was... cool when all of a sudden they stop and realize. <laughs> that was one of the better parts in the whole thing, I think. At, at least as far as humor goes, that was that was as good as it got. That was, I thought it was phenomenal. And I thought, like, to have them, it, it was framed perfectly because they were apart for, I think, almost half of the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just building up to that great moment. And, yeah, I was really underwhelmed when they announced she was coming back because I liked The Runaway Bride, but I thought, you pretty much did what you can with that character. Yeah, and yeah. I was really happy to be proved wrong. I mean, that I thought she was phenomenal in that episode. <laughs> But they didn't make the mistake they made with, uh, shoot, what's what's the other girl's name? Martha. Um, Martha. I don't think they made the mistake they did with her. It was like, oh, let's try to have another romantic relationship in some way. They just, although I, I think in some ways it kind of pushed it a little bit far the other way. Uh, I don't know about that. I thought it was nice because Donna didn't seem to be the type to fall for the doctor. She was a little bit older than the previous companions and had been, I guess, through a, a little bit more experience and that was therefore a little bit, you know, more cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet, you know, I thought it was nice that they made it clear at the end of this episode that they both just wanted to be mates, which was really f- funnily, funnily handled. Um, but they just wanted to be friends, traveling friends and have a good time. And it wasn't about, falling in love or anything, you know, anything huge like what happened with Rose or even with Martha to, to the degree that that succeeded. I thought that was a nice change. 
I, did I thought too. it was good. And they made it absolutely clear that, no, she's not going to be won over or change her mind later on. Like, she's just really not into it at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, what else you got to say about this one? Rose. This was the, yeah, besides, yeah. I, oh, I that just, was in this one? That was where she yeah. first appeared. Because she she just does a little cameo where uh, Donna is about to leave with the TARDIS and she tells a random person right. that her, her mom or her aunt or something is coming to pick up the car and it's in the keys are in that bin over there. And it turns around and it's and it's Rose. Right. And I, I was completely uh, surprised by that. That was actually pretty cool. And they brought the theme music in. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did. That was very effective. I won't say that I'm very excited with what they did with Rose in the end, but we'll get to that too. But I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was uh, that was exciting, and we it uh, it definitely gave a momentum, an early push to the momentum of the yeah. uh, the series. Right. Yeah, and I, like... I completely didn't expect it. I mean, I knew she was going to be in this season, but when she turned around, it was her, and they did the theme music. It's like whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. In this story, there was also one of the gathering groups of facts that would eventually develop into the climax that we get over the course of the uh, story arc, and that is it's mentioned that the bees are disappearing. Yeah. And I'm, I, I guess that is sort of topical. Um, I, I don't know how effective that actually was, but it was just sort of a harbinger. Uh, topical. Topical bees. That sounds well, delicious. Or at least think, soothing. Yeah. I think they make a nice balm. <laughs> I was uh, I was also glad to see the character of Wilf brought back as Donna's grandfather because my understanding is that wasn't actually the plan. Oh. Uh, because the actor that played her dad in the wedding episode passed away. Mm. I see. And so they brought him in and... I think made the most of it. I mean, he, he turned out to be uh, a really great character that added something new to the sort of, you know, out of the different family dynamics we saw with the Tylers yeah. and with the, with the Joneses to have a, like Jess said, an older companion, but then with an older male figure that's in her life and very involved in her life and right cares about her. I thought that was, that was a nice change, another nice change. And yes. someone who wants to believe... Someone was encouraging her to, to Right. He was looking for aliens the whole time and he was he was so sweet about it and so caring and, and loving. And he was a, he was also a, a nicely emotional character. He he was really he was really kind of powerful to watch as he performed in, in many of his, his scenes. I thought that was really cool. All right. Well so, let's let's move on to the fire. I'm sorry. Oh, I just wanna I'm sorry, I just wanna say one no, more thing about no, this. No, no. Ah! <laughs> Go ahead. I, I've just recently been watching the uh I bought rather the Alien quadrilogy. Uh the oh. four alien movies. Oh boy, which, that last one's a turd. With oh well, I, I haven't discovered that yet. I'm I'm probably willing to believe that. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> actually yeah, indeed. <laughs> and actually they have a whole ton of Doctor Who-like, really interesting documentaries that go with it. It's really kind of cool. If you, oh, if really? You yeah, definitely worth a, 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 a look-see. Yes, but, uh, love I was kind of, I, I had that in mind at watching the adipose being born out of Stacy because it was almost exactly like Alien, this pulsing thing kind of pushing its way out of your body, and then it kind of goes... 
pop, and then it's like <laughs> this little blubber of fat, and it's like so benign. But it was a lot like the birth in Alien, except like completely the opposite level of grossness. I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> oh, aliens. So, I know. That's it's, one of the all-time scariest monsters in science fiction ever. Pretty amazing. Not quite as scary as those pepper shakers, but... It's, it's different. It is different. It's different. All right. Now we can move on to Pompeii if you want to. Fires of Pompeii. Kaboom. This is where Donna started irritating me. Okay. Uh, not so much long. Not so much in this episode, but a lot in the next one. But, okay. uh... What do you guys think? She has a, just a very... We knew that she has a very aggressive character, and so if she's going to bring back those characteristics that you didn't like in Runaway Bride, it's not really surprising that you're going to find her annoying again. It's not... That's mm. not my problem. And I kind of want to talk about my problem in the second and the third one right. because it, they kind of they kind of go together. Um, my problem wasn't with her aggressive personality. My problem was when she got all weepy about other things. It seemed when she was getting all weepy that it... I, I didn't buy it. Not because she was doing a bad job acting it, because I thought she was, but right. it seemed like it didn't fit her personality to me. Well, they talk a little bit of, uh, later about, you know, they sort of get to a point of analyzing her a bit more. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the bluster, you know, is could just be, you know, the cover for, you know, Hurt, pain, you know, and that stuff can come out when you when you let your guard down. I think it happens in the next story too, when she sort of, right. she's just sort of, she lets her guard down and is sort of just taking it all in and being real instead of putting up a front. And I think it would have irritated me a lot less if I didn't have like two months between watching the third episode and the fourth episode. I see, because uh, you know Brian sends me. The, the the in bits and pieces, mm -hmm. and um, that was the first piece. It was like the Christmas one, a couple other things, and the first three, and then I had to wait for the next <clears throat> delivery. Right. And so between that and the other one, I was like, ugh, you know, I was like, oh, I hope she doesn't continue to whine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't think she did. I I think it it that part of it stopped irritating me after me after that. But I. I believe I had some sort of conversation with Brian where I expressed my irritation with that at that point. But I just wanted to bring that up. Anyway, Fires of Pompeii. Right. This episode looked amazing. They filmed it in Italy on the set of Rome, the HBO Did... series. Oh, no way. Did they really? And it just looked fantastic. I By the way, I... which is a series that got canceled because it was too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How interesting. I had no idea, Brian. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I just thought it was a very striking uh, story visually. Sure. Very, very interesting, you know, with all of the characters, the um, that sort of uh, cult of priestesses in their with their yes. face paint and the red robes and mm -hmm. seeing at the future. And they're not at all like the sisters in Brain of Morbius. Not at all. No. <laughs> another another classic fourth doctor story. Sorry, everybody. Oh, that's funny. All right, but I thought they were kind of interesting and and uh, and intriguing, and I liked I liked the 
the abundance of soothsayers in Pompeii at that time. I thought that was really kind of an intriguing story uh, part there. Right, with the uh, the gases giving them their... Right, well, well, not just that. There's that chap, what's his name? Lucius... There's that, the older dude who does a lot of snarling, frowning, over-the-top acting. Right, um, right. Uh, he, he, is that it, guy like, was turning so to many, stone or something? Yes, yes. It's been a while he, since I've seen it, so... No, that was that was definitely the one. Uh, right. He was the one who was having those marble circuits made. Right, right, the marble circuits. Yeah. But it, well, it was a it was a decent, straightforward Doctor Who story. It was quite an adventure, but I thought the ending was very powerful. I thought I was moved. I personally was moved. You know, similar to uh, the things I had uh, felt in previous. Uh, you know climactic uh, stories i thought the you know donna for you know forcing the doctor's you know conscious to make him save not the whole place but save someone i thought that was really that was really moving hmm. what about the doctor as sort of a godlike godlike figure i mean these people are moments away from death and then he appears with the like i don't know where the light was coming from glowing behind him and mm-hmm. the outstretched arm it's like come with me yeah, <laughs> come with me if you want to live. Exactly, <laughs> Sarah Connor. Sarah yeah. Connor. But then uh, there was that beautiful shot of the TARDIS on the high ground, looking down at the uh, yes. city being uh, destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of the TARDIS, I think the TARDIS flying around—they <laughs> shouldn't do that. Oh, you mean actually showing it in space? Yeah, when they're having it flying in space and it looks like it's on a string. Yeah, that always has seemed very goofy, and that's interesting that they still do that in these stories. Not all the time, but some... No, every once in a while. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it wasn't so bad that in that Christmas one that you guys like when they had it flying around after the car. That wasn't yeah. so bad. But when they have it in space and it's little in the middle of the screen and spinning and then they like juxtapose it with like a missile coming at it or something, it just seems so goofy. Well, the irony is, of course, that it's not being pulled by a string anymore. It's all CGI. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, I, I, th- I was. Uh, I'm sorry, Joe. What yeah, were you going to say? No, no. I was just going to say I was uh, reminded of uh, when Brian brought up that scene where they're sitting watching the destruction. Uh, I was reminded of. One of several recurring Doctor Who motifs that have come up in this new series, and we've talked about how much more emotional it is and how much more centered it is on the relationships between people and not just the story, is that there's a lot of people in these Doctor Who stories which are holding hands. And the Doctor, even with Donna, who there's going to be no love with, they're always holding hands whenever they're running. And there was a scene where the brother and sister come up to each other and are holding hands, you know, watching, you know, com- sort of comforting each other, being there for each other. There's a lot of people taking each other's hands in comfort in this series, which is, you know, goes along with the whole emotionality of the series. But I thought that was just interesting. Or at least cross on the street. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's safety. <laughs> I'm not, that's not emotion. That's, oh, that's, oh. that's just common sense. Right, right, right. So yeah, there's a lot of common sense in this. They they, they don't cross. <laughs> they don't cross unless the light is with them, you know. Or... Right, right, right. There's because they're Plan- kids. What? Planet of the Ood. Planet of the Ood. Well, let's bring the Ood back. Well, I don't really understand they... why they needed to bring them back, except they thought they were cool. But 
Well, perhaps they thought there were, you know, issues that could be addressed with the Ood. When we last saw them in the utterly glorious Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. Which was uh, very good. I like that one. Indeed, indeed. Uh, they were basically human slaves. And that is addressed fully in this story. We want to serve you. I, li- I mean, I, I, I like that because I thought, I think even the doctor mentions it at one point, like, he never bothered to find out what their deal was. They just, you know, it, yeah. No, he didn't you know, have how time. Could be, how could you be born to serve something? And I thought that was pretty cool to actually try and put a little bit bit of backstory on that. Yeah, yeah. There was there was that one line um, to Donna. Who do you think makes your clothes? When she was saying that, oh, we don't have slaves anymore. You know. Oh, social commentary. Yeah, a little social commentary there. Very interesting, eh? I thought the, uh, just to the visuals again, I thought the Ice Planet looked really good. Yeah, they did great. I guess they must have filmed on some refinery or mine or something. I don't know what facility that was, but it looked very good. I thought, I mean, I'm just, you know, you try to remember, like, this is something that's done for television, you know, and, like, some of those shots I thought would have looked that vista shot of the TARDIS, you know, kind of on that cliff or whatever. Yeah. That would have looked great on a big screen, I think. Most certainly. But so. Bitterton says, big brain stupid. <laughs> I have no idea Jess, what you just said. Jess, which classic Doctor Who story featured a giant brain? Um, Time and the Ronnie. There you go. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Back to the classics. Oh, what, what did you say? Did oh, you me? Just, yeah, you had some sort of reference. And... Oh, no, no. I was I was calling myself Bitterman. Oh, okay. Because I'm always coming up with the, that was stupid. My well, name is Bitterman. Giant brain equals stupid. No, it's not, it's not <laughs> that the concept of the giant brain equals stupid. It was, um, it seems to me like when they do, sometimes when they do their... Uh, 3D animation things for special effects. It's reminiscent of me of how in the old days they used to try to do special effects too. It just has that... It's very cheesy. It's like uh, not so great. And it's it's what, not... Are you talking specifically about the brain right here? In this episode, yeah. But I mean, I mean in, in general, um, I, I much prefer it when they don't use CG for creatures and things. Like when the, I think their creatures are much more effective when they're not like giant CG things running around. Remember uh, with the uh, Slovene when they had yeah. them kind of like when they're in the suits and then they had that one scene when they were like uh, crazy uh, running through the thing yes. like an aliens and, yes. and that that was a little little disconnect right. there. But right. I mean well, they've the, gotten better. But I think the, that their stories are much more effective when they leave out the CG for creatures. Uh, perhaps. I mean, the disconnect was certainly a problem with that episode, but which would you have preferred? The lumbering-looking Sylvine or the sleek alien lion Sylvine? Oh, you mean the Sylvine one? I think that yeah. they should have gone one way or the other with it. Right. I, I think I agree with that. They just needed to agree. Right. With, with, right. Oh, I mean, it was kind of like having um, a steak in one scene and then like somebody having like a burger in the next. <laughs> Perhaps. You know, it's like, it's like you could like steak, you could like burger, but you can't really convince one or the other is the other. Oh, I had no problem with that effect. I thought it was kind of 
scary, cool, creepy, neat. I thought it was all those things. Uh, the Slovene one, you mean? No, I'm talking about the brain in the planet. Oh, the brain? That is all right. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it it kind of reminded me of in the very first episode of the reimagining thing where they had that big blob thing. I was thinking of that, too. Yeah. It might it might have been the same effect. Probably. Yeah. Probably just reworked. I like so, Everton from Chef chasing the doctor with the giant arcade game grabby claw thing through the... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, who? Chef? Everton Ever- from Chef. I don't know if you ever watched Chef. Lanny Hammer, I'm sorry, I never did. Really? Oh. You would oh like God. that. You, you really would. Oh, really? Cool. Is it, another, is it another British show or what? Oh, yeah. It absolutely is. Oh, okay. Well, there you are then. Okay, yeah, <laughs> That's no- why you haven't seen it? <laughs> no. Oh, well, I would never watch that, something like that. No, I hardly ever. But where would I would have seen it? Is it on any of the like American stations? or It it's was for PBS. a while. I, I think our PBS is showing it right now. Or they might oh, be no wrapping kidding. it up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, oh, well. Yeah. Brian I thought that was kind of like uh, the seasons of it, so he has them. Or you used to. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. So we had in this episode, um, besides... Kylie Minogue in in the Christmas episode, we had a a first bit of kind of guest casting, which was a bit special. Tim McInerney, who was famous to some of our listeners, perhaps, in uh, the Blackadder series. Good Lord, how do you know all these names just off the top of your head? Well, uh, my brain doesn't work that way. My brain works that way also when I take notes. Oh, really? (laughs) <laughs> I took notes. I decided to take notes this time. I'm looking at them right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because it made me think of, again, the classic series towards the end where there was a lot of guest casting involved that didn't necessarily help. And I wondered about your opinion of his uh, performance. Did it, was it, did it help? Was it eh? Or did it bring it down? I thought he did a great job. I um, was actually used to sort of seeing him like that because he he was showing up on the show Spooks uh, a couple oh. of times, and he's sort of a similar character like that. So otherwise, I would have been shocked by his appearance because he yeah. he's aged uh, considerably uh-huh. since the days of the Black Adder. But well, that um, was like mid '80s. Yeah, but I think the uh, I don't know the. The turning him into an ood by giving him a drink. I mean, uh, it, uh, you figured out something was up with that, you know? Just yeah. Because <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. What are you talk about. <laughs> I, I mean, was it was exactly. awesome, but it was also a bit. What the hell? He just kind of throws yeah. up his brain, which was one of the weirdest. <laughs> one of the that weirdest so... things I've ever seen. Yeah. I think ever. Just like. Blah, blah, that was so face. out. <laughs> That'll make the kids talk. Uh, so, but yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was rather good. I also liked um, I liked the the PR woman. What was her name? I can't think of her name right now. Uh, oh, uh, she... Solana. Yeah, that's right. I liked her too. Who almost has a chance to do good and chooses to not help the doctor. That was a neat neat change. I think I like seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that one was okay. Uh, like I said, the Donna crying at the end was you know kind of. Well, that wasn't the right way, but that wasn't entirely the end. That was the bit where the singing of the oud is revealed to her. So that was... Oh, I know it was hot. It was so jazzy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> but I right? thought, 
<laughs> but the ending uh, was, of course, interesting in that it That's was... Strange foreshadowing. Yes, foreshadowing Dr. Donna. Right. Which Your leads song. us to the, the fourth episode. Yes, it does lead us, I guess, to the fourth episode. Right, it's just, we'll, we'll have to step it up a little bit because we're an hour in and we've gotten to we the have. fourth episode. But this okay. is how we do it. Oh, this is how we do it. How we it. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. But I don't think it will take as long as all that because there's a lot of double episodes coming up. So. True. Uh, now we have the return of another classic alien menace. Centaurans. I was, I was dreading this uh, set of stories because it was written by the person that wrote the Daleks in Manhattan, which I oh, did not like at all. He should have been tarred and feathered for Helen, that. Helen Rayner, yes. Uh, she, yeah, so I was a bit apprehensive, but, you know, I'm just going to give it a shot, and um, mm-hmm. thumbs up. I really, yeah, I thought she, really uh, liked it. I thought she was vindicated from her, uh, her relative failure at the Daleks last year. I thought this was a really exciting story. I thought the Suntarans were realized really well. I liked how they kept pointing out how short they were. I thought they made sure it was cool that they made sure that they always appeared considerably shorter than the humans, but they were still, you know, menacing. I liked that actor who was playing the, the, uh, the leader who I think had been in the classic series. He had. Yeah. He had been in in trial of a time Lord. Um, I loved seeing Martha back and changed. I mean, just, yeah, much the change was kind of shocking. Much more confident, like dressed all in black with the hair down and, you know, giving orders to people. And I was I was kind of happy for the character in that respect. She'd gotten engaged the whole deal. So, right. Right. And yet done. and yet Donna's, you know, com- comment. Is that what you do? You made it. You turn her into a, into a soldier. Yeah, I thought that was kind of provocative and interesting to think about. Yeah, and they just kind of left that line hanging, you know. Uh-huh. It's just kind of a bomb to throw out there and then just leave it. And but they brought Unit back. They did. Unit has now come back complete. They're like a not even connected to Torchwood. They're their own thing. I like that. <laughs> they they made mention to uh, Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart in this uh, story. Is that the guy who really liked the lasers at that show? No, that no. was Sergeant Benton. That's Sergeant Benton. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Oh, for for the people listening, when we were kids, <laughs> no, at the no. convention in Minneapolis that uh, Brian and Jessen and Co were playing at, and did some sort of gig there. We, we got a gig playing at some last night celebration thing. We were one of a couple musical acts. And I was, I mean, I, both of us, we were all just sort of starting out in our musical lives. And so the whole thing didn't go over particularly well. Um, I mentioned, <laughs> I, I, this, this, this actually came up in the first episode because I mentioned how, how great John Levine was in the first podcast. We talked about this, but uh, that's what Joe is referring to right now. So it, it, you're not missing anything, really. <laughs> no, but uh, they had like a big old-fashioned laser that they can do a little laser light show with, and that guy was just amazed by it. Well, you know, some people are, I like that. I think he might have been a little bit at the time. Could be. <laughs> You'd have to be. You know how, <laughs> how you guys felt there? 
Think about feeling like that like 30 times a year. Going <laughs> to those crazy conventions with those idiots. Yeah, you I may need watch, some... I, I watched Galaxy Quest this weekend. I've never seen it before. Oh, it's awesome. Right. It I started watching that a while ago, and I never got to finish it. That, I love that movie. It's hilarious. It, it's wonderful. But anyway... Um, Meanwhile, I like... Those... Sorry. Go ahead. Go? Uh, dead oh. air. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll just start. Um... A, return, a continuation of the modern-day devices turning into killer machines with the GPSs taking over your car and killing you. I thought that was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the the, um, the, the headsets, the, the um, Bluetooth. The Bluetooth, thank you. The Bluetooth. The uh, different, you know, different things that now turn against you. I, I, there's I like no that. way out of this car. It's locked. It locks the doors, and you can't get out. It is hard to get out of a car. Uh, well, yeah. Well, Donna's mom found the way out of the car. There you but go. But it did take an entire episode to find that. <laughs> but, anyway, uh, right. What did you think of the uh, the young man who uh, decided to ally himself with the Santarans? That was funny. He was um, he was a pretty bad, pretty big nerd. He actually reminded me of a classmate of mine who's really obnoxious in class and just kind of always starting arguments during our discussions. Mm-hmm. But the doctor had this line about, you know, how he must feel just like smarter than everybody else and everybody else doesn't get it as yeah. fast as he does and how frustrating that must be. And as I was watching, it, I was like, I wonder if that resonates with a lot of people who who like this show. <laughs> Maybe. Because a lot of nerd types are like that. Absolutely. I, Absolutely I, they I, are. I, I think that that kind of spoke to a lot of people on some level. You just feel mm-hmm. like you're kind of on your own. And I think that's that 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 touched touched upon something. I thought that was a neat idea. Uh, he yeah. should have brainwashed those smart people so the ladies would breed with them. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny where it's like, all right, let's go. And they're all like, you're nuts. I know. <laughs> oh, he wasn't smart enough to figure that part out. I've designed the whole thing. Yeah, well, he didn't exactly think about it in a romantic way. It was all just right, technical exactly. facts. I had a plan. Yeah. Well, I thought the um, uh, the Centaurans were interesting bad guy. I don't really remember them from the old days. I think I remember I've seen pictures of mm-hmm. them. I don't know if you've ever had me watch one of their episodes, though. I could possibly, be wrong. Possibly not. Um, the two doctors. Yeah. Uh, I must have you, seen that. You might have seen the two doctors. That one's that was pretty long, um, but yeah, they appeared. They appeared with that with uh, the sixth doctor in that story, and then they first appeared with the third doctor, and then they got with Tom Baker twice. Hmm. And actually, Sarah Jane Smith met the Santarans, and I think they the Santarans. I think do they have something to do with the Sarah Jane Adventures? They are coming back for the new okay. season. Okay. Oh, why not? As is the Brigadier. Oh, hooray! Not surprising. Since, I mean, since they sort of telegraphed that he's going to come back, since they mentioned him in the story, like I said, he's in. He was in Peru, though, so he couldn't be part of this. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I like the characterization that happened in this story. I thought we, even though this new series has always had to be in a, at a very fast pace, I thought we really got a quick sense of Luke. Radigan, the little kid, um, the the general um, um, 
Oh, uh, the doctor's escort when he goes to see Ross. Uh, Luke. Ross. I thought that everybody was really likes cool. Ross. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really nice. You know, and and doc, the doctor kept making exceptions when Luke was trying to put down the soldiers. He's like, hey, you know, Ross is a nice guy. You know, he kept saying things like that. I loved. Then, uh, I loved him escaping from the car about to explode. Oh, that was so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was just what that scene needed. I really I I like that it was the antithesis of all the big budget uh, explosions they throw in there. <laughs> we only have five dollars left. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think I like also. Um, I was noticing in particular in the story uh, how they're using music uh, in a very light motif kind of way. Like we said, uh, when Rose appeared, her music came back, and we we now have been watching the series enough to start to recognize these music cues when they come up. Donna's got one. The Doctor's got one. Many of the different characters have been given one. I really liked, actually, Donna's little uh, musical cue. It was kind of sassy and cool. Which is Rose, like Rose last shows season. shows up in this again, too. Uh, oh, that's right. right on she, that little video screen. She shows up on a couple of stories in just a blip on a screen. She shows up later, too, in a different story. But that's right. So I thought it was interesting how this kind of, again, went back to the classic series. The Doctor becomes trapped on Earth and has to help Unit. Because the Santarans steal the Tardis. Oh, that's right. Because was it the third Doctor was trapped on Earth, too? Much of the third Doctor's reign was precisely that. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of curious, interesting. I I thought that the the conclusion was kind of interesting and exciting yet I kept thinking why isn't the atmosphere igniting not setting everything uh on fire cuz isn't there air everywhere there's different layers to the atmosphere Jess Oh, I, I must have maybe it was that. in the ionosphere or the stratosphere. Or... Yeah, it did. It did seem to be pretty high up, I guess. But I was glad that that did, that wasn't an issue. Yeah, yeah you are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clever. I'm clever. How dare you question that, Joe? It, it's been a long time since anyone said no to you, right? Well, no <laughs> with an N. I'm referencing they, the story. They, they, Doctor they, says that to Luke. Oh, well, you got me. Kazing. Kazoop. All right, well, anyway. So then um, Martha ends up on the TARDIS again, although not yes. a choice. Interesting. And then what we meet. Of, and, we, and we meet. Well, she's What's my What's the next daughter? episode title? Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at these pictures of Centaurans from the old Q. <laughs> Hugh, the poison sky. No, oh, that that that's the second of the Centauran episodes. We've moved on now. Oh, the Doctor's daughter. I was very disappointed, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I, well, mm-hmm. I've told this to Brian already, but let me tell you the Jess and 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 think about the possibilities of how cool it would have been if I was right. Okay, tell you to me. Well, I forgot that in the first, the very first Doctor Who was. Uh, I was thinking that that girl who's the granddaughter was his yeah. daughter. Okay. And when I saw oh, the preview and oh, they said, it was gonna be her? and they, yeah. And they said the doctor's daughter. I was like, Oh, sweet. Cause I thought it was going to be her like reimagined. Mm-hmm. And then it was very disappointing to have it just be like a DNA graft thing. 
I was like, oh, damn it. Because I actually, I, I was excited, so I went and I did some, I did some research. Because this was another thing where I, uh, Brian had cut me off. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> you're cut off. You're cut off. And so I looked it up, and I was like, oh, granddaughter. I was like, damn. But still, could be cool. But it's... I thought they were they were picking up on a line uh, from the second season where it was the one with the cartoon or the pencil monster, pencil drawing monster. Yeah, which which we yeah. were not allowed to talk about in that podcast. We right, but because you, you hated it so much. But, That's right. <laughs> I said we couldn't a, talk about it. Yes. Well, you kept saying let's just skip over these scribble episodes. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, there was a throwaway line where, you know, Rose is complaining to the doctor about how bratty kids can be. And the doctor is a little bit understanding. He goes, oh, come on. I was a dad once. And she just gives him a look. And then that's it. Then they move on. So I thought, oh, maybe they're going to pick up on that and we'll meet his daughter. Yeah. I showed the trailer and there's this, you know, hot blonde and amazing leather trousers (laughs) flipping around and jumping through lasers with a rifle and the whole thing. And yeah, then like Joe said, within the first two minutes of the next episode. I'm a DNA clone. I really <laughs> thought this one was one of the weakest ones. I didn't like this one at all. Okay. I thought there was a lot. Of, I mean, not, well, I guess I didn't, I'm not going to say I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it. And I really hated the ending where they have her go, I'm going to run, running. I love to run. Because one of the things I really hate about Doctor Who is how they, they do that tongue-in-cheek <laughs> thing about how they like to run around, run around a lot. Uh, Never, and, and it was so blatant at the end of this one. It's irritating me. I think it was meant as a, or maybe I'm reading into it. I thought it was a throwback to sort of the original Doctor Who story where he steals a ship goes on the run from his own people and yeah that's exactly what it was it's like that's exactly what his kid would do yeah interesting well i I was not aware of that so i wondered if this meant that this is the mother of susan the doctor's granddaughter i wondered if i wondered if that was at all possible or i wondered what other future revelations there were going to be about the doctor's family because as we've already mentioned there's been Hints that he's been a father, that he's had a family, that, of course, they're all gone. But I wondered what else we were going to find out about that. And so I found, I found that intriguing. Wibbly-wobbly. You found it intriguing for possible future intrigues. But as future far intrigues, as, so. as, far as I, I think it, it set the expectation for me for something that I thought was going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to not be interesting at all. Except well, for the fact that perhaps there's some future intrigue, but like if you said, I mean that's kind of an interesting idea. Like if it turned out to be Susan's mother, I thought that would be cool. But yeah, yeah. but actually, I think this this story is is pretty cool in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a bit of nonsense. Her doing that whole gymnastics flip through those laser beams is such crap. I wish they would. There do was that. nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jess. See, Ugh. what you don't understand now, if it had been a hot guy, maybe. Ugh, you straight guys, I tell you. <laughs> anyway, it, that was, this, was exactly, <laughs> this is exactly like the doctor using the force in the end of the world to get through those big, huge fans. Exactly like that nonsense. I, I no, it's in. not because he was not a blonde <laughs> woman in black leather trousers flipping through lasers. Yeah. No. Oh. Oh. Predictable as ever, Brian. Uh, uh, but besides that, I thought it was 
kind of cool, the mystery, and yet yet another mystery that Donna manages to unravel. She's getting pretty smart hanging out with the doctor. She unravels the whole thing. I was an intern. Here's a mystery (laughs) she didn't... Here's another mystery. I don't know if uh, Donna figured that out. Why was Martha necessary for the story? Yeah. She she wasn't. It, it, It did seem like she had been tacked on. Why I don't I was never quite sure why they brought her back. Yeah, you're right. I like her. I don't mind seeing her. You know, and I mm-hmm. but I thought she was just really wasn't it to show cool. how she to reaffirm the fact that she really doesn't want to be with him. I guess, but I, I, when I the would... fish guy inexplicably jumped in to save her, and then couldn't she couldn't actually help him, even though he was like a foot from the edge. Uh, thanks. See ya. <laughs> bloop, 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 wah, wah, wah. Well, At least make something grab them or something, for crying out loud. Well, yes, but then she got to cry a lot. Yeah, great. I thought that was overdone. <laughs> kind of, I didn't think, I didn't think that, that was... That was not, not her finest, uh... Cut, no. let's bring another, another gallon of Visine, please. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> But anyway, no, I okay. thought, but uh, meanwhile, I thought the rest of it was kind of interesting. I liked the mythology that had involved it in seven days. I was a little confused, though, at how everyone's young. So they've all absorbed this mythology because they've all come out of the computer. But how old's General Cobb? He's older than seven days, seven days long. Why doesn't does he know the truth? Why doesn't he realize that this has only just happened? I didn't I don't get that. I was thinking he was like four days old and everybody else was like two. But he's an old man. Everyone else is like in their 20s. Right, right, right. I thought the whole idea was that the aging process went super fast and then they run out and get killed right away. No, it's not that the aging process went fast. It's that, like you said, they went out and got killed right away. Oh. <laughs> so, they don't, so they don't get to be old. Unless I suppose he could have been, you know, genetically cloned from an old guy. I suppose that's possible. Right, and when you clone people, they obviously turn out to be exactly the same age, right? Yeah, but no. I thought this this was a very interesting. And <laughs> I thought the the the, um, the re- resolution of this story was kind of intriguing. Because, don't mind me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Jess, continue. <laughs> Turn my mic off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. So I like that, especially because um, because Richard Dawkins shows up uh, in one of the later stories. I thought it was very interesting the way this story explicitly kind of pronounces science uh, sort of as it, science kind of wins out over religion or myth. You know, the doctor goes through this whole speech. It's not a, it's not a this, it's not a that. It's, it's this ball of atoms and blah de blah. I forget what it is. You know, some scientific gobbledygook. Mm. But I thought that was very interesting. It's the Genesis thing. device. That's just what it was, actually. Mm-hmm. That's just what it was. A little less um, invasive, though. Invasive? Uh, well, I suppose so. Because the Genesis device, pretty much, well. I they had to run from it, that's for thing. sure. I think it was kind of doing the same thing, actually. Yeah, it was it's turning it into a big old jungle. Spock! Yes. Spock! Anyway. Spock <laughs> screams is played by... I remember that watching... 
the the search for Spock. Yes. And they had the uh, credit for Spock screams. Because you heard like a <laughs> screaming Spock off off stage, and some guy got to play Spock screaming. Cool. Speaking of which, you guys do know that they're coming up with a new Star Wars uh, movie, right? Star Trek. Or, sorry, sorry, Star Trek series a movie. I didn't know that. But it's That's like a reimagining of it. Hmm. Like they're starting over from the beginning. A, re- a reimagining of a classic series. That's brilliant. That is pretty original. I've never heard of anybody doing that before. But I mean, they're going to take a chance. Okay, well, good for them. Good for them. I say. Anyway, so, uh, oh, she's dead. There's nothing we can do. Let's go and not wait two seconds to see what happens to my daughter. Goodbye. She regenerates. Can you believe it? Well, she didn't regenerate. It was the the Genesis device thing that that regenerated. Oh, she's got a bit of the vortex in her. That's what, that's, uh, that's what, like, blew out of her mouth, right? Yeah. I, uh, you think so? I thought it was supposed to be... Uh, I thought it was supposed to be the Genesis device stuff in well, her body and then coming out, but that's pretty be, cool. but it looked entirely similar. So, well, I guess they could play it either way they want to later. Mm-hmm. Maybe I they did it on purpose. See, I wonder if we're going to see her again. Maybe somebody had something else coming out of her mouth. They said, "No, no, make it look like the other thing." Give me some tea. Wow, I feel like I was there. Yeah, you were. The Unicorn and the Wasp was the next episode. Awesome. <laughs> Doctor and Donna meet Agatha Christie. Hooray! Uh, even though I really hate filler episodes, uh, this was a filler episode. God. No, it's not. It was It was great. It's, it was you brilliant! You're so locked into this whole story arc business that when there's one that doesn't advance it, you're like, oh, I can just turn it off and turn it on next week. But that's not true because I watched it and I thought it was entertaining. Good. Leave but, don't, but don't dismiss it. What do you mean? Bad. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 had to, I had to finish it up just to tease you. Who can resist the return of Felicity Kendall to our screens? Oh, oh Felicity sorry. Kendall. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, hello? Hello. Hi. Never mind. <laughs> We've moved on. So, yes. Um, Agatha Christie... Felicity Kendall falling in love with a giant wasp. And, and a yeah. Gareth Roberts script that puts the entire group of characters into a giant game of Clue. <laughs> That's just so. so. You know, it's irritating. Uh, oh, here we I go. I love Felicity Kendall, and I didn't realize that was her. Aww. She was a tender young goddess. She, oh, was she ever. Good lord. <laughs> I like that she had that one show that solo. I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. whereas basically I don't remember anything about it except thank God she had another show where she was cute. Yeah, <laughs> wandering around looking nice. Well, but I BBC heard it's solo like like that and and like butterflies, which were sort of comedy, but they were also like deadly serious. They had like some, you know, relate. It was somebody like you know dealing with some heavy relationship issues, and they would deal with it in a very matter-of-fact way, as I, as I enjoy British television does. But, but yeah, it was... If you were expecting more of Good Neighbors, then Solo was pretty shocking, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 1981 I think this, and 82. I think with this episode, the show went three for three in casting a famous author and just knocking it out of the park. I thought the woman that played Agatha Christie was great. I thought well she said. was... 
instantly engaging and believable as the character and yes. just charming and fun. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. And just there's a great that great shot of when, you know, they're all in character, but when they realize that it's Agatha Christie and their jaws just hit the ground, you know, you almost or I almost felt that way myself because she was just gave a solid performance. Like that's yeah. actually her. Wow. Yeah. But uh, you brought, uh, Joe mentioned that, the, or no, Brian mentioned that it was a, basically a big game of Clue. Uh, some One of you did. I did. Um, okay, yeah. you're the winner. It was fine. Um, no, uh, yeah, I thought that was fine too. And I also liked that, I mean, it became part of an interesting plot line, but then it was also like mocked in uh, Donna's line of saying, I mean, Agatha Christie in a murder mystery, isn't that like meeting Charles Dickens at Christmas with ghosts. Uh oh. You know? <laughs> I thought that was really nice. I liked how the unicorn character turned out to be a big red herring. Yeah, that was interesting. It had nothing to do with anything. I don't think though that if you have a an alien from a different planet that you should make it look exactly like a giant bee. That would be my definition of lazy. Lazy Except that then they could call the unicorn the wasp, I guess. Yeah. But that was lazy. Uh, come on. At least make it look like a weird wasp. Hey, Not on, just a the... big wasp. We've already had giant insects, and so... It's... Yes, yes, giant insects. I'm sure they look the same all across the universe. <laughs> the the universe? <laughs> the universe Yeah, quite so. But, I mean... This... Didn't make me not enjoy it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Come on, guys! The Get BBC... rid of your... The BBC just can't, can't fail to do well at this type of little one-act play with all these interesting characters, and it was funny, you know, it was, it was engaging, and I, I thought it was lovely. Sure, it was fine. As I like taking the... Really I'm sorry, I was going to say, I like taking the notion of a sort of real-life mystery and working it into the, the mythos, you know. She disappeared for a day or two, and nobody knows what happened to her, and she showed up at a hotel. Yeah. And they worked in an explanation for that. Yeah, because I, I wasn't aware of that mystery, and so that was that was something new for me and rather rather intriguing. Yep. I liked also the the thought occurred to me with this story that um, the new series likes to evoke a particular style of of drama by making a writer a character. So it wasn't just that we had a Christmas episode in a Charles Dickens style. We had a, we had a Christmas E episode with Charles Dickens. We have a mystery type whodunit, not in the style of Agatha Christie, but with Agatha Christie. I thought that that's, that's something that this new series is doing, is it's bringing back the writer as a character in the show and not just trying to make it a style. What a character! Just on a side note, there's a book that Russell Davies has coming out, which is a big diary of his experience writing the show. Oh, and he he talked about an abandoned plan for a Christmas special, where the Doctor would meet not a famous author from the past, but a famous author from the present, and they wanted to have him meet J.K. Rowling. Right, I just read about that actually. Is that why they had him saying that just in case, so they could kind of massage her a little bit? I don't know, but as it turned out, David Tennant was very against it. Really? And he said, "No, that's that's a bit much, isn't it?" So they it didn't happen. 
Mm, interesting. You know what, though? I would be against it, too. Because if you think back on, on any show you've seen where they have, like, a famous, like, a, a current famous person come on. And, yeah. then you, and then you see it, and it's always so hammy. It can be kind of stilted. And yeah. it doesn't really hold up either. Like, well, you'll see something from, like, the 70s, like WKRP or something, and there'll be some sort of nobody today who comes right. on, and everybody knew him then. And, you know, he's like, they'll go, like, um, James Taylor. And he's like, oh. hey, boys, I'm just here to say what a great job you guys are doing here at WKRP. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's always sort of cheesy. I'm sure that it could be done well, and oh. there's no doubt that she's going to be around. I think I think 30 years from now, people are going to know who she's in, who she is. But still, I could see why you wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so then we move on to uh, another two-parter. Yay! Yes. And and I think that's another one of the reasons why I thought this season seemed more like the classic Doctor Who's. Just because uh, they, if they wanted to tell a story, they took the time to tell it this time. I think. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe you're right. I mean, this this story, the next story that we're up to, uh, the two parter, "Silence in the Library," mm-hmm. uh, by Stephen Moffat. So, you know, at the risk of jinxing him, that for me, that automatically means gold. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this one was really good. I thought it was very strong, and I was. This was a this was a cliffhanger. Where I was like yelping at the screen, woohoo! I can't wait for next week. You know, I thought I thought it was just great. Uh, the 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 cliffhanger of, to this episode was really cool. I have they the, ever uh, oh, had him, have they ever had him meet someone from the future like that before? Like a, one of his future companions? I suppose they haven't. <sighs> Other than like when they have the the old doctors come, but that wouldn't even. It's different. Yeah, I don't recall them having a meeting. Where the person that the doctor's meeting knows it's the doctor, but the doctor doesn't know because he hasn't met them yet. That that was a new twist that I'm I'm not aware of. I thought so that was that, really neat. Certainly, yeah, certainly not played out like that. Although Stephen Moffat sort of did it with uh, Sally Sparrow in Blink, because at the very end ah. of that episode, he meets her for the for his first time, and she gives him a binder of notes and says, "Hang on to this. You're going to need it someday." He's like, "All, All right, right, nice to meet you. See you later." Good point. But, um, yeah, that character of Professor River Song, who may or may not be his wife, uh, was... Well, b- before the end of these two episodes, it is revealed that she seems to know a lot about him and that the Doctor really trusted her. Yeah. So. But I don't know if you ever read The Time Traveler's Wife, but that's what I was thinking of the whole time. Oh. Because it's about... No, I never out- it's a, about a, an out-of-order relationship. Oh. Which it was went on too long, but it was a good concept. Went yeah. on too long? Well, what happened with that book is... Um, oh, with the book. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not this story, but the uh, Time Traveler's Wife. Is The idea was fabulous. And the execution started off really fabulous. But then it went on and on and on about the minutia of their relationship. Uh-huh. It was great when... When he was getting getting to know her, and it was pretty good when she was getting to know him. But when they knew each other, I don't know. It just it seemed like it went on for about. And I listened to it through Audible, so it went on for like an extra three hours. It could have been cut right out <laughs> the middle with no loss in in effect. I thought, but 
Uh, it was an interesting idea. I thought it had some really interesting things to it. But so I would recommend listening to it and you know doing something else at the same time. In the so, middle. Anyway, back to uh, Silence in the Library. Creepy. Um, pretty freaky. Don't know what's going on with the girl and the psychiatrist or whatever that's talking to her, so we think. Um, but very strange. And then, like, it gets darker and the shadows are attacking them. And, yeah. Creep out. I thought the parasite thing with them, like, attaching themselves to the shadows was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I, I like that one. I, I don't have anything bad to say about that. I mean, even, I think... the, even the cheesy skeleton heads coming out of the thing was kind of... didn't bother me because it made sense that way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one thing he does really well, Stephen Moffat, that is, he's got such a great knack for blending horror and humor. I mean, with as freaky as the library was and as, you know, the, the strange conceit of, uh, you know, when the monster's taken over, they start re- uh, repeating the last thing they've said. Mm. You still had this great cast of, uh, or this gang that was accompanying Professor Song. You know, you had Dave and, oh, I'm not, I'm other Dave because he's proper Dave. He was the first Dave. <laughs> I like that. That was nice. <laughs> you know, just like... Uh, <laughs> who, who thinks who thinks of that? That's just crazy. I know. That's I was like that's such a you like you instantly like all of them, right? Exactly. And then there's the poor poor Miss Evangelista who's yeah who's just like the personal well, assistant. You know. Well, she thought the you know the the escape pod was the bathroom. You know, twice we had to go back and get her. You know, just <laughs> things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that I, the the uh, the effect of when the shadows the Bastionarada or whatever they were called um, would like eat the people and then their voice would carry over and like they would still be conscious and communicating in, in, in a way I thought that was horrible I thought it was mm-hmm. horrifying that was that was a really weird neat idea mm-hmm. where sir had the suit has like delayed consciousness in it I thought that was yeah cool. right so no, I, I I think that was, I I don't know. I think this was the best of the series. I thought. I think one another thing I liked was um, with the Doctor and River Song is everything they didn't say. They just kind of give you these teasing hints. Like she has the sonic screwdriver, but it's it's a little bit different. You know. Yeah, it's, got, it's souped up. Souped up, but it's like souped up in a very homemade way. It's got like a brass ring on it, and these strange props kind of, or parts just kind of jammed onto the side. And it's, you know, they make throwaway references to, you know, when we saw such and such, or we did this, and you never find out more. It's kind of like the time war. You don't need to find out more. It's, it's the part that your imagination gets to fill in, I think. Yeah. You know, right. Tells a bigger story than spelling it out for you. And that's what I really like, you know. I think Robert Holmes in the old series did that very well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think Stephen Moffat seems to be the writer uh, that consistently writes the stories in which everybody lives, which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, not quite the case here, but like there was this whole big thing of four thousand and some people who've disappeared from from the uh, 
from the library. And like what happened with The Empty Child in the first series, there's this great, huge release of relief and emotion when all these people end up being saved at the end of the um, Forest of... What was the name of it? Forest of Fear? Forest of something? Forest of the Dead. Forest of the Dead, thank you. Irritation uh, Forest. <laughs> <laughs> Forest Whitaker? Forest to Kelly? Um, I think... I like that that element of it because even... I mean, obviously, people did die. But yet they didn't because they... Re- they the whole crew that came with River Song ends up surviving at the end. And so, in a way, they, they did live. It was, again... I thought they survived in the computer, though. They did, but but it's a way for them to live on, right? You know, so there's something very satisfying with that. But that whole that whole thing is very intriguing because at the at toward towards the end of the of uh, the second episode, you think it's over. They're walking away. River Song is doing this voiceover from her diary or whatever, and they're walking away about to leave. And then all of a sudden the story's not done and the doctor runs back and like ends up saving her. I thought that was, that was kind of amazing. I was, I was ready for it to be done. And, and it wasn't, I like, I like Donna's story in this being trapped in the computer simulation with the fake family and the ideal yes. husband. Mm-hmm. Yes. I thought that was great character development for her. Mm-hmm. Really good. And really sad when she, she makes it out and then she just misses him. By a yeah, second. yeah, and and we know that that's not gonna. They're not gonna meet again because it's impossible. Sad, but yeah, that I think I might agree with you, Joe. That was this may have been the best story of of this season, and it's interesting that it's it seems to be very often in the last in the last four series that <clears throat> this spot. In the this spot in the series, the two-parter in the second, the second half, two-parter, yeah, yeah, the second two-parter seems to be like the strongest of the lot. It's kind of kind of interesting. I don't know why that is, but it, it makes sense though because if you were going to put your season writer because you had the conclusion has to be the conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're gonna if you're gonna place your season writer or one that does a good job, where would you put him? You wouldn't put him right in the beginning. I mean, you might put him at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But you would put them right about that slot because the ones sort of in the middle early ones, I think, are the ones where they, they give people chances. I guess. Yeah, I mean, don't you think that would make sense? Sure, I suppose so. But it, 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 as I think back, it is that slot that I probably remember most of all. I remember The Empty Child. I remember The Impossible Planet. I remember Human Nature. And I remember uh, Silence of the Library. It's, I, I, if, it's, if, that's the, if that's their formula, it's working for me. Yeah. It's funny as we're, as we're going through these, you know, every episode we've been saying, "Oh, well, that's like this episode, and that's like that old story." This one, I real, I mean, this was so to me just original. Yeah, this is fresh in terms of the concept. I think, mm-hmm. which is what was good yeah, about even with, the old old time Doctor Who is a lot of it was original all the time, especially in the beginning. I thought, sure, I mean, but I mean, we can't, we can't ever separate from influences or whatever. We can always go back and I'm sure we can find influences that were on the early writers' minds of the classic series. And oh, But, sure. you know, it, we just happen to have, you know, access to the references to some of this series because it's the previous series or it's the old classic series. So it's a little bit yeah. easier to find. Sure. I mean, even, I mean, I mentioned the Time Traveler's Wife, you know, who can say if that was an actual influence on the writer, but... 
I think, uh, in terms of doing something new for the doctor's family, we talked about how disappointed we were for his daughter not being who we thought she was going to be. But mm. to have someone we didn't know she was going to be, but she turns out to be very, very important, you know. I, I don't know. I'm willing to take it that that's his wife. Hmm. Hmm. Well, he I guess he didn't wouldn't have to have been married, but he had to have a kid at some point. Although yeah, I, I always got the feeling that right, I always got the feeling that he would have known that mm-hmm. in the old days. It's not like he's like, ah, "Hello, daughter. I don't know where you came from." <laughs> uh, but anyway, anyway, yeah, those are really good, and I yeah. think we all agree with, with that. So midnight. Really yep. So again, with this series, uh, they give the main two actors a little bit of a break, so that one in this case they did it differently than in the previous series. Uh, this episode was all about the Doctor, and the next episode, Turn Left, is all about Donna. Right. So for just practical issues, you know, with regards to the making of the series, but it, it makes for you know. Different, uh, different uh, dynamic. We've talked about. Uh, I've I've heard in you know when they asked David Tennant, oh, what would Doctor Who be like if he didn't have a companion? Well, midnight may, might be what it's like. You know, this uh, this episode. I think this is a you know this is a Russell Davies episode, but I think he might have achieved the impossible by almost out Moffitting Stephen Moffat in terms of the scariness and the weirdness of it. Yeah. This and to was... do it to do it on a budget of pretty much nothing. It was one set, pretty much a fixed cast. Yep. And no visible creature. Right. This was classic series in that it was just the one set limited actually it reminds me of The Edge of Destruction, uh, which is the third story in Doctor Who's um history where they are trapped in the TARDIS and they can't figure out what's wrong with the ship. And actually in another interesting parallel to the story is that there's a fear of body snatching in that, ep- in that story, which turns out not to be the case, but that comes to fruition in this episode where they're afraid that some alien has gotten in and taken over one of the people in the ship. And that's actually what happens in this story. Mm-hmm. That edge of destruction. I mean, basically they, they were running out of money and needed two more episodes, so they just kind of said, oh, let's just have them wander around for 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, there, there was a practical issue to that one, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's the same type of, you know, uh, of uh, old story that they've been writing for a long time, but this was amazingly effective. I thought the the drama that developed between people, the the way people, different people reacted to the situation. There was, there was the professor... Um, who was trying to be kind of very quantitative and just couldn't believe that there was somebody outside. And, and, and that, that prevented him from seeing the truth because he was so certain of what he thought was true, what was, what was real, that he couldn't actually see the truth. And then there were the couple with their, with their kind of d- detached uh, son. And they, they had a whole thing where they were kind of very aggressive and, and loud and and quick to accuse and quick to panic. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really very, very frightening how, and especially how they all slowly turn against the Doctor. Which we don't get to see too often. Exactly. There's a, I mean, that, that was a real true 
fear because you, you there was no question that these people were going to throw them out. There was, I mean, that, that was a real a real danger that was going to happen right there, and they just turned into a, a mob. It's a it's a terrible mob, and we all know that can happen in in, in situations. And so, I think it was really truly well realized in the story. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't talk himself out of it either because he, <laughs> he was taken over. Yeah, he right. was taken over. So I thought I thought that um, the sort of slow transferring of, of repetition was fairly interesting too. Oh wow, the way they played that was kind of astounding actually i wondered how i i couldn't help thinking how they rehearsed that like because that that had to be right on and some of the time they were able to do it in such a way where it was clear that they didn't have to film right on one of them and so they didn't have to do it exactly in sync but they could do it later but there were the scenes where they were right up eye to eye with one another and man the way they did that was was pretty amazing and then the eventual moment when she suddenly um it talks ahead of the doctor. Woo. Scary. <laughs> All right. So we like that one too. Yep. Oh, I just want to make one teeny little mention if we're going to move on. Yeah. Patrick Troughton's son played the professor. Wow. Patrick Troughton was the second doctor. And right, that is right. his son, David Troughton, who had actually appeared in the classic series also. And actually it's quite amazing. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you've watched, if you've watched enough Patrick Troughton and you kind of looks like him. And you listen to the way he spoke, especially at the beginning where he spoke kind of very low and had this way of speaking. It actually sounded exactly like Patrick Troughton. I thought it was really kind of freaky. David Troughton, which which Peladon story was he in? Curse of Peladon. He's in the first one, the best one. Where it's like (laughs) the best one where he says, uh, you know, in in the opening moments of the story, one of his, you know, he's the king of this uh, planet. One of his... uh, priests or whatever is horribly murdered you know and then uh yes you know the, i think it was a doctor arrives like what's going on and why is everyone upset it's like well one of our people disappeared under mysterious circumstances but it's absolutely nothing to worry about <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's the actual line like yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty funny. much it verbatim i'm not you know i'm not glossing yeah. over it. it's just you're like, right <laughs> what's one of the... anyway. you're right right but anyway, that's <laughs> yeah, funny. If you look at the professor guy and you added a hair to him, they got the same face. Yeah, they totally do. Totally Interesting. Do. I didn't know that. Well, so uh, the last three you could kind of talk about together. Do you think or a bit? I think, I think Turnlap Turnlap is, deserves on to be on its own. Yeah. Well, Donna wears a big backpack. Ugh. <laughs> it's a big alien bug. Also, also written by Russell T. Davis, I thought it was interesting that he wrote the last four stories in this series, which previously I think he usually just wrote maybe the last two or whatever, the big finish. But he wrote, he wrote uh, all four of the last ones, which was quite different. Well, he is leaving, so. I suppose that's true. After the next, it's the next series of specials, right? Not the, the right. full-fledged series. In but he's co-writing some of those, so. Okay, I see. So we arrive on the planet China, and <laughs> and, um, and Donna runs into Chan To, the master's assistant uh, from that one story in the previous uh, uh, series. Um, same actress, I think. Yeah. And she gets taken over by the Metabilis spiders from Planet of the Spider. Oh, wait, it's not the Metabilis spiders. Oh. But it's... Uh, 
I thought that's what they were because that's exactly what the Metabilis spiders did in in that story from the classic series. They jumped on their backs and disappeared and took over that person. And why didn't they do that? Oh, because it was a fate fate bug. It was a beetle of some sort of, yeah. Some yeah, it was of... a big scarab beetle or something. I th- yeah, I... something <laughs> Make it look different, <laughs> Doc. Come on! What, didn't like it? No, no, I... Same problem with the the alien that looks exactly like a wasp. Why why not just make something up? Why does it have to look like something that we have here? You know that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. It's lazy. Uh, perhaps so. So. <sighs> but anyway, in this story, let's see what happens. It's uh, Donna's story. It's a giant episode of Marvel Comics. What if? <laughs> right, right. That's it. that's just it. One decision changes the universe. So interesting. And the doctor ends up dead in this world. So does Martha. So does Sarah Jane. And and her and, little friends, which which is sad. Yeah, no. And <laughs> and and Donna. We, we totally see that. Donna has gotten better with the Doctor because in this new world, she's, like, completely thick. She's totally disbelieving of everything that's going on, and she she just she just doesn't buy into it, and she's not nearly as clever as, as she is when she's with the Doctor, and so we see that. And Rose comes back in full force. She said she does. Uh, is it just me, or does Billy Piper have a lisp that I didn't notice before? Oh, there was something going on with her teeth. It's her teeth uh, or something's going on there. Like, Yeah. It's almost like she, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I think she has, she's either in the process of some dental work or maybe she's adding like one of those alien second mouths. I don't know. Yeah. But well, she certainly thought... was not as good looking as she used to be. I mean, I I'm looking she had at something done to her nose. I think it was her teeth. I mean, it's her, it's definitely her teeth. Her teeth don't kind of fit in her head. Uh, All yeah. of a sudden. Maybe she's been taken over and she's a little alien head now, but the teeth are the same. Could easily be. I don't it know. was it was oh, kind of a strange strange performance because she was basically like the surrogate doctor in a way. Yes, that's just what she was. Hmm. Uh... I I thought the you know, the person that did the best in this episode uh, was her granddad. Amen. Who was just a revelation, really, to watch him. He was really wow. good. Just, yeah, he sure was. Where they were sort of echoing, you know, life during wartime and, you know, what it must have been like, you know, people crammed into homes and trying to make the most of it. And right. The way, and he, then, the way he gets teary-eyed when he realizes the other family's being shipped off to... Uh, to a concentration camp. Yeah. yeah. That was a great, wow. surprising performance because he was... I pretty much knew him as a comedy actor. Yeah, he generally is. That's right. And he had been doing sort of the lighter side in the series so far. And then when he did that, it was just really, I found it very moving. I got a question for you about this whole what if stuff. Didn't they say in the uh, Titanic episode that the, it would destroy the world if it crashed into it? Uh, Yeah, because it, because it was, um, it had like some nuclear motor that would obviously explode. Right, but when it did crash in the world, it just kind of blew up London. Aha! Maybe it was a torchwood thing that contained it. Maybe. Ah! Making excuses for him, are you? 
No, there's uh, it, didn't, it didn't bother me, but I did say, wait a minute. Well, you know, they may have missed that. That's that's fair. I would have to go back in and actually watch it and say, well, let's see what they actually said. But hmm. anyway, but you know what I'm saying. But anyway, yeah, I do. But it was strange to see a, a darker world and the dead yes. TARDIS, you know. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And like in Father's Day, the first series, Donna has to restore the true present and the true future um, instead of this alternate one, which is created when not uh, in this in, in Father's Day it was uh, Rose who interfered with her own timeline. Uh, or her father's timeline, rather. Here, it was that creature who changed Donna's future, and now she has to go back and restore it, and she ends up doing it in a rather shocking way. Hmm. No, I thought that was fine. But, and then, the big return of Bad Wolf, 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 Wolf. Which I'm still not sure what it means. And no, if and, and if you weren't and if you weren't sure how it works, we're gonna try it again anyway. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing. It's like it end or you know, it's the music's kicking up and the adrenaline's going. And bad wolves written everywhere, and they run into the TARDIS, and it's all red, and the cloister bell is booming, and it's like it's right. the end of the universe. And then the next episode begins, and the TARDIS is fine. <laughs> well, yes, they could have. I'm but the finale, wahoo! I, um... What an adventure! It's the Doctor <laughs> Who Dream Team. Yeah, it's uh, it's all of the characters from the spinoffs. Um, it just <laughs> Joe, really like. Wow, Joe, you're kind of stewing back there. Are you all right? <laughs> I, it would be cooler if I had seen any of the Sarah Jane stuff or any of the Torchwood stuff. I am positive. I, I've been, you know, I've been, I watching, I've been watching some of the Sarah Jane stuff recently. It's kind of cute. I like it. I haven't um, really watched those shows. I tried with Torchwood. I could not get into it. And I watched, I think, half of a Sarah Jane. And it just, I wasn't feeling it or whatever. But I knew enough to to appreciate it. But I didn't see a spoof on Torchwood that I thought was really funny. I might have sent it to you. I think, I think you did. That was really just funny. But then, <laughs> uh, so... On top of all those characters, they they brought someone else in, and um, I actually grabbed this. I, I should read this to you. This is from uh, the Doctor Who magazine review of The Stolen Earth. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Hold on one second. I'll be right back. Hold on. Pause. Hmm. Anyway, I'll, I'll chat about something. Okay, uh, you go ahead. So the Daleks are back. Hey. I mean, here's the deal. Oops, sorry about that. Oh, you're back. Okay. Good. I am back. But Jess just said the Daleks are back, and I just said, here's the deal. Would you like me to wait until you've made your point? Let me, let me just read this from, okay. uh, All right, from okay. the magazine. But basically it said, There had been rumors for months of an appearance on Doctor Who of the legendary genetic scientist whose single-minded vision of destiny for entire species has attracted fanatical resistance and heated debate and whose very name serves as a call to battle. At last, the wait was over, and there he sat in his chair, that unmistakable voice persuasively setting out his unsentimental position. Yes, Professor Richard Dawkins had come to Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. (laughs) 
anyway, I was going to say, uh, even though I like these last two episodes, I, I Daleks again. It's like, okay, season, uh, season finale. Uh, what do we do? What do we do? Daleks, you know, eh, here they are again. I thought they were handled well. I thought that they did a good job with it, but come on, Daleks. I think, I think the only reason I didn't mind them because I'm, pretty burned out on them but i didn't mind them because the scale that they appeared on was great i think there's so many and um having that supreme doll like that red one and then of course davros showing up which you know was was great i thought i was very excited i mean on top of seeing all these characters coming together and something huge happening and the music was bigger than ever and they're going to the Shadow Proclamation and the Jadoon show up, and it's just one thing after another, and, and then Davros on top of all that. Uh, the Daleks are much scary when they fly around too, though. Well, yes, oh that's... yeah, and they uh, they took down the um, the Valiant, which I thought was great. Oh, that's right, they did. Uh I, I didn't really buy Rose in this. I thought they did a great job of saying the fact she's coming back, and then there she was, and she had and for what? A yeah. magic magic laser guns, and and uh, somehow she came across the universe by herself magically. And were were they using those things that they said they could never use because they'd tear a hole in the universe? It seemed to be a different version of that technology. Sure, but who was there to to do that for them? Is it just they, they're just so smart because they've met the doctor? I, I got it. They had worked it out, basically. I think she she has a line to that effect that you know, yes. like she actually radios in to ask yes. them to send her. Yes. Yeah. So it's just kind of thrown away. They don't spend a lot of time on that. I don't really think that she added to the story at all, though. Really, I think it they could have left that out. And in fact, I think it ruined the end of the second episode to resolve it. Resolve what? The rose was there. Well, they have, you know, it was, I think it was really powerful to have Rose and him separated pretty much forever. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, they're just like, no, no, we're going to, we're going to fix that. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. To, bring her, to bring her all the way back, it had to have been for a good reason. And the only reason seemed to have been ratings. You know, they, there was all this set up, you know, even like we said with the first episode where she just has this cameo and they kind of inserted her into other episodes, just showing up for a split second on a video screen. It's like, this is going to be really important. And then they bring the bad wolf lines like, wow, maybe she's possessed by the TARDIS again, or she's some kind of super being or no, I was just looking for you. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's uh, it. But and, uh... I think there was some other reason for it. Cause she, she sees in her world that the universe is, you know, the light, the stars are going out and all that. And she sees that too. And I think that she recognizes somehow that Donna's the key to all this. And so she tries right, to connect right. up with Donna. The key word there is somehow. Right. How, how would you do that again? Well, uh, probably the way she did it. Which was? Uh, to Well, she got back in touch with her in the previous episode. <laughs> and then she's back and then she finds her uh then she finds her mom and grandpa you're and... I, you're right i think it was it's that way because it was written that way is what you mean to say <laughs> well okay what do you want me to say 
I don't know. Nothing. I, I, it didn't bother me. The part that bothered me was that they had to put a resolution to that. I agree. I agree in that sense that this, the story of Rose and the Doctor was a very sad one, but I found it kind of satisfying that it was ended the way it was at the end of the second series. And I didn't necessarily, I I didn't really feel like it needed to be resolved. And I suppose it was pleasant and happy that it was resolved the way it eventually was, but I didn't feel a real huge need for that. No. It kind of negates the impact of it. I thought, but just to jump back a bit, what did you think of Davros? Oh, I love Davros. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was much more like the original version of Davros, which I've always liked the most. Um, So I thought he was very well realized. The new mask was very scary. And actually, when he opens up his shirt to reveal that he's given his entire body to make the new Daleks, that was pretty 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 gross. gross. Yeah, that was cool. So I thought thought it was excellent and, uh, and, and quite a big surprise. Um, Well done there. One random thing about this episode, it just kind of pointed out what kind of a freak show Sarah Jane is. I think she's she's a little nuts and not in a good way. Oh, my. Uh, Because it's like, I was just like, what? But it's the end of the world. You know, all all of a sudden the earth has been moved, but they don't know that. It's just suddenly dark out and all the all these planets in the sky and the Daleks are showing up and she's sitting there hugging her son going, Oh my God, you're so young. Ah. And then they cut to, uh, you know, Martha and they cut over to Captain Jack and the doctor. And then they cut back to Sarah Jane. She's like, all right, I'm going outside. Uh, love you. Bye. Zoom out the car. Like what? I agree that perhaps that could have been smoothed over a little bit, but I was rather moved by Sarah's performance when she discovers it's the Daleks, and I've, I felt her... I, then why I she felt that emotion. Um, because uh, she... Computer, watch after the kid. <laughs> I will, Sarah Jane. Yes. <laughs> I right. need to jump in my car. Fair enough. But, you know, she has to... She has to be involved... Yeah, well, poor Luke. Poor Luke. <laughs> oh well. Uh, but anyway, I thought there. Were, anyway, I think this story has a lot of cool moments in it. And the cliffhanger. Uh, cliffhanger was quite something. I would just like to say, and reiterate, that even though it didn't quite work out in the way that I thought, I totally called it that this series was going to resolve in the Doctor regenerating. I called it. Yeah. yeah. Except except it wasn't that, you know. I had had no idea that was coming. I mean, I really try to avoid spoilers. And so there was a lot of talk, like, is he leaving? Is he not? So I made an effort not to read anything. And when I saw that ending, Mm -hmm. I I was knocked out, like knocked out off the couch onto the floor. Like, ah. Well, I was irritated because... I went to the Doctor Who site. See, I don't know why you do that. Well, because there's, there's <laughs> something that, I wanted every, to know. Every year, it's like, well, I ruined the end for myself. I, I made knew. that mistake, well, too. No, no, I, but I this, sort of but found they, out about Davros that way. They didn't. Well, I knew Davros was coming. I, I knew that eventually they keep doing the Daleks. They got to bring back Davros. So. But the thing was is that I went to the site because I wanted to read about 
an episode, and on the front page they got him regenerating. <laughs> I was like, for crying out loud, hello! But um, <laughs> I think it's funny that they they had that hand there the whole time. I guess it made sense. There you go. But I got to say finally... that was. I got to see it in, in sort of context. I saw it that Saturday night. That was the longest week to go on a, uh, <laughs> this moratorium of not looking at any, uh, any websites or any just trying to steer clear of anything because I did not want that spoiled at all. And it was worth it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Although sure. I kind of I had the same face as, as the characters did when he just kind of reaches out to the hand and he pops back and he's fine. I was like, all right. And then yeah. they're all just kind of like, what? Like, huh? that's it? Huh? Cheat. But anyway. What'd you think of uh, Super Donna? Mm, I thought Super Donna was about as good as she could get with that situation. Act like the doctor. I thought she was great. She I, was uh, I, I enjoyed it because it was like, it was, it was still her. It was her, it was totally her personality rattling all off all this nonsense you know in her accent um i thought that was i thought that was fun she was having I, a good time i get irritated when when he got all mad that the other doctor killed all the uh all the daleks at the end spoilers um <laughs> I, I that made me mad it's like why would you not and what is how is that any different from what you've done in the past why would because you get the, all mad at him because oh, everybody was trying to kill everything in the universe. Oh, you're a bad person, naughty. Because the doctor gives them a choice, and that's the difference. The oh, yeah. doctor says the doctor gives them a chance to not do the wrong thing. Well, that's wrong. He's given them about a million chances. How many episodes have they been in? <laughs> For crying uh... out loud, I think they've got their chance. Yeah, but I mean that's that is one of the. The characteristics of Doctor Who. Uh, that's what Donna does. She could have just set the Osterhagen key in motion, but no. She says there's one more thing that the Doctor would do, and so that, and that's what she does. She calls them up, and of course, she's foolish because then they transport them onto the ship, and her threat is negated. But um, anyway, that's <laughs> I think that's what's one thing the Doctor does. But this other human Doctor just does it and doesn't think about the consequences. But I mean, the Doctor's not human and he has the he has the perspective of a time lord he sees the entire universe you know so well there's that great that was one of the best scenes um or one of my favorite scenes of the series where davros kind of calls the doctor out yes not doing any of his own dirty work but getting other people to do it right ordinary people into weapons yeah and being sanctimonious about oh you don't carry a gun but you don't need to You, you know you get everyone else to do it and then they die and you keep running. Right. I love that. I thought that was well written, well performed, and really, really powerful. And kind of gives credit to the whole, you know, what was the problem with the uh, blue suited human doctor, you know, mm. and why he got so angry about it. Another thing, I loved basically seeing uh, Catherine Tate and David Tennant do impressions of each other. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Now, why? <laughs> you are kidding me. <laughs> of course, that's precisely what happened in that episode with um, 
Cassandra and the Doctor and Rose both act like Cassandra, where they're right. taken over. Um, but this was, I mean, this was slightly different, I suppose. But Joe, what did you think of the it. crazy psychic Dalek? Oh, that was funny. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was the funny doctor. that they didn't try to make it look cooler. It was still that little puppet with strings attached to it. Yep. <laughs> oh, there you are. I flew into the madness. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. What was it, Dalek Khan? Dalek Khan. Dalek Khan. I love Dalek Khan. I think he should have his own series. Khan, <laughs> his own talk show. Khan. Khan. <laughs> Please. Uh, but what did you think of the resolution of uh, Harriet Jones, former prime minister? Good. I'm glad they brought her back. Yeah, I always liked her. And I thought it was very satisfying that she I liked the the speech that she had where she like stands by what she did. I thought I, that was good. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Well, I agree with what she did. Exactly the way she just she the way she explains it that I knew that one day another alien menace would arrive and the doctor wouldn't be there, and I yeah that that makes total sense and so she seems she seemed to be vindicated and oh this and this was the the thing I wanted to bring back from earlier she, another throwaway line she says that the the funding to make that system that allows the four of them to connect together and that sub-wave system mm-hmm. was created by the Mr. Copper Foundation. Ah. And I didn't know who Mr. Copper was until the beginning of this podcast. So, apparently, oh, right. there you go. he did something with that money he had in that credit card at the end of A Voyage of the Damned. He right. did something with it. So, that's cool. So anyway, the uh, the the ending. Uh, well, first of all, oh, flying through space on plan spaceship Earth at the end. This <laughs> is a little bit gay. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. What? No offense. Oh, I, why would I be offended? I don't know. Um, but no, the part where <laughs> where they do the old um, Star Trek bridge being hit when the Earth is going back to its original position was kind of funny. You know, well, where the TARDIS do, pulls it back to... Well, I do hope that, like, when the Earth is being towed back, yeah, that, the, like, the atmosphere wouldn't just dissipate. Well, apparently you know, it did not. I, well, I'm glad it didn't. I was a little... Well, then they, I was they, so they, relieved. They explained <laughs> it all, right? Did they, like, they put a shield around it, and then the other one set up the tow rope, and then... Oh. Well, use your tow ropes and cables. It could be your only chance of stopping them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Something which is much less fun to say today than it was ten years ago. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right, but it's it's worth it to the people who know. Mm. But uh, you know that didn't bother me. They had to do something, and it's it's not any cheesier than having the little TARDIS on a string anyway. No, probably not. Um, 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 um I yes, not only does Rose's storyline get resolved, but so does Mickey's and Jackie's. Yeah. Well, wait, just to so what what so Rose they get they go back to the beach yeah. and then yeah. yeah, having the whole 
Why can't she come back to the universe since they solved the problem of switching universes now? I forgot. Did they? Well, I think, I think they, they still had to seal that off, I think. Hmm. Didn't they? I don't yes. remember. They yeah, did. Thank you. All right, there you are. So but, she had to stay there. But, but, here's, yeah, a, but here's a boy toy version of me. Yeah, it was like I've... There was one person. I read. <laughs> what it was. Yeah, it was like basically, it's like here's a David Tennant sex toy for you to enjoy. See you later. So. <laughs> hey, he's human, and he can say, "I love you." I wobble you. Yeah, oh. I wish they hadn't done that. Well, I liked, I liked what the doctor ended up saying. It's like, does it really need saying? And I kind of felt the same. Like, come on, do you really? Yeah. We but did. at least the the cheat was he didn't say it out loud. He whispered it to her. So. Yes, much better. But <sighs> he said, hold, hold the pickles." I think is what he said. Poor Donna. I know that was a that was a really sad ending for her. That was a horrible ending. But I felt bad for the character. And yet, when they did it to Agatha Christie, nobody cried. Nobody. <laughs> You're right. We shouldn't cry. Never mind. Never mind. She went on to be fine. She can go on to write her own mystery novels. (laughs) But yeah, just to go see the character just go back to being a complete zero. Yeah. Was was a drag. True. I suppose they. I suppose they did it to ensure that that she wouldn't come back. I don't like know. Her, ring, her ring. ring was awfully sparkly in that last shot of her. Oh. What do you mean? The huge ring on her hand that she's holding up to the camera and it's sparkling. Oh. What does that yeah. mean? I don't know. Oh. It doesn't have to mean anything. Or it could. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe she's engaged to that spider again. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Nietzsche had to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, did think of uh, I did think of Joe at the very last shot because it didn't end the way I thought it was going to end. With him yeah. saying what? No, did yeah, you... exactly. It was just he was sad and he'd been drenched in the rain and the music is all sad. And he's just sitting there or standing there by himself, and right. it's just depressing. And it just ended. And I thought awesome. of, I thought of Joe. And they must have listened <laughs> to our podcast. And they yeah, didn't they didn't really. say what the next episode was going to be called. And it was just like that's it. They they did give a little preview at the very end after they ran the credits of the return of the Cybermen or whatever. Mm, yes. Why not? Cybermen. They um they uh Poor Man's Daleks. I was <laughs> I was telling you about that book that Russell Davies has coming out and they ran an excerpt of it in the uh, in the Times, so he does talk about the premise of the new Christmas special, which I could tell you or I could save it. Oh, please tell us. <laughs> or, or I don't know, or you might not want to know. No, That's I would I'm want saying. to know because, you know, why not? Yes. Are you okay, okay knowing it? Okay. Yes. Um, wait, wait, are... let's ask the audience. Audience, are you okay? If you made it this far, obviously you'd like that. You're, you're either asleep or... Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're into it. All right. Spoiler uh, anyway, so... Spoiler! So, and... Yeah, uh, basically the premise is they've adapted another Doctor Who story from another medium. Uh, probably one of my all-time What's that? Clay. Clay? No, no. Uh, this is probably one of my all-time favorite stories. But basically, there is uh, the Doctor 
is being impersonated by somebody else. Are you serious? Yep. I think they did. <laughs> it's one of the greatest stories I think ever done ever. Where basically there's a con artist who goes to like sort of unsuspecting planets and creates a fake, you know, emergency, like a fake invasion. Then he dresses up as the doctor shows up and says, Hey, I'm the doctor. I'll save you. And he does. And then he's like, now I'll collect my reward. <laughs> well, he's like, Oh no, no. I, I the war, the work like, I do is no, no, no. It's like, no, no, we really need to reward you. Sure. It's like, okay, if you must, I'll take 10 million credits. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh. So, well, really, I, uh, that's amazing because we talked in the past about the different Big Finish stories that they've now used and adapted for the series, and that's always been one of my favorites too. And I'm pretty it, amazed. Yeah, to hear that's that's one do. I that's one I've always kind of hoped they would do because it's, uh-huh. the, sto- the concept is so great. I think it's really funny, and yes, the show has been around enough or long enough now for a new audience that they could appreciate that kind of. Yeah, joke. you're probably right. Yeah. Huh. So I guess perhaps now is the time for a uh, general appraisal of the uh, series this this time. Okay. Um, If it had been as bad as the third series, I might not have watched it again. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very good with some caveats. I like the second season best still. Mm Mm-hmm. All oh, right. the caveats are what I have aforementioned. Okay, sure. That's fair. Brian? I um, I liked it a lot more than three. Uh, I think it was... A, they had a better better runs of solid stories. Um, you know, a few, few missteps, but I don't think anything's perfect. It didn't start out well for me with the Christmas special, but I liked the Donna character once she got going and I was willing to give her a chance. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought it, you know, once they got to, uh, Stephen Moffat's episodes, you know, from there on that final batch of six, I think were just really solid. The, the finale for me, it was like Dr. Who the movie. I really, it was mm-hmm. just, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's, it's good to go out on a high or it was a high for me anyway. And I think they're doing the right thing by taking a break. Mm. Why don't you explain that quick, just in case somebody listening doesn't know? Although there is no season next year, they are taking a break because Russell Davies is leaving. Uh, he's handing the show over to Stephen Moffat, so in very good hands. Uh, so what they're going to do is a series of four. There's a Christmas special this year, then a series of four specials next year: um, spring, summer, fall, and winter, and then series five. Uh, in 2010. Okay. So it should be good, like a series of mini movies, I guess. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that sounds great. Are they going to be regular size or super size? I don't, I, they haven't really said, I think the assumption is they're going to be super size because there's only four of them. Right. Well, that'd be that interesting because then they could maybe they, I, I like it better when they take the time to tell a story. Mm, yeah. Me too. Definitely. And they'll have the time. They'll have the time to work on the scripts and get everything ironed out and sort right. of do the handover. Jess, what did you think? Be good. I think this series was, was really quite strong. I mean, it was certainly an improvement on Series 3. I think overall, 
what you said about Series 2 is probably right. That was probably the the strongest series generally, but I thought there was nothing for me in this series that uh, disappointed me at all. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was all uh, high caliber. I, I agree with the comments about the the last six episodes. They were all uh, excellent, very strong. Um, yeah, I think Donna, you know, acquitted herself nicely. Uh, uh, I think she was really a good character, a nice change from the other companions. Um, and a sad end to her, but I thought it was a very, a, a very satisfying season. I thought it was uh, very cool. Very cool. And, uh, <laughs> it was pretty interesting though, because I watched pretty much all the wire in between like <laughs> the Ood episode <laughs> and the next episode. Okay. Coming back, it was, it was kind of a shock to come back from that kind of show <laughs> to Dr. Zoo. I mean, it was, it was such a stark contrast. It was, it took me about half an episode to get back into it. <laughs> just just an aside, I thought it was fairly interesting. It was like, all right, uh, just finish up the wire. Let's watch some Doctor Who. Ah. Like, what? <laughs> what the? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and also, uh, again, thought Bernard Cribbins was the, the hit of the season. I thought he was, he was so great. Every, and every time he... He made me laugh. He he could he, he you know when he had tears in his eyes, I had tears in my eyes. I thought he was so amazingly good, and yeah, he was he was a really a good find this year. And I have something to say. I, let me just check before I make a fool of myself. And oh, give me a second here. Anyway, yeah, why don't you? Good. Good. Uh, oh, I, I, okay. Since we have a second, I just want to mention one thing about the last episode. I thought it was awesome that they went to Germany and the Daleks were speaking German. Oh yeah, <laughs> I thought that was the coolest ever. I mean, talk talk about the circle is complete. You know, if you thought the Daleks were the Nazis and the Thals in the original story were the were the Jews, then. Then to hear them speak uh, speak in German was uh, was... exterminating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that whole long scene. That was good, especially since the Germans seem to like him a lot. I don't. I don't. Do they? I I don't know. I've heard them in some of that that German techno music. They're always showing up in that. Oh, oh. I thought Germans like Hasselhoff. Well, yeah, Hasselhoff riding a Dalek, maybe. Ew. Not that way. Uh, never mind. <laughs> I, 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 I thought there. No, I didn't, well, it's funny, yeah, but you can say from one thing or the other. But what I was going to say, Go I on. thought I could have sworn that iTunes had put the old Doctor Who series, started putting up the old Doctor Who TV. They do. Oh, I think they did. Yeah. But why yeah, don't absolutely. I see them? Oh, I maybe have to go see all. Let's see. Could be. Absolutely. Uh, Doctor Nine Hundred Two One Zero House. Uh, not quite the same. This is not Doctor Who season. Why don't I see it? Maybe they took him off again. Wow, Cosmos. I wonder how dated really? that is. Yeah, Carl, Carl Sagan's Sagan? Cosmos by season. Huh. Probably not so outdated. Doctor Who. Well, it's from the 70s. I mean, the science has changed so much since then. Perhaps that's true. <sighs> what is this? Great show, but beware, these are not full episodes. These are cut down to fit in the American television's time slots. Interesting. 
Stuff you sent me the full ones, Brian? How long are they? Yeah, I sent you the... Uh, uh, 40, 44 minutes long. 43. Okay. One, some of them are 46. This is season 3 stuff. Okay. Here you go. I've got all the uh, Doctor Who, the classic series. Oh, here we go. Yeah, Doctor Who, the classic series. Here we go. Ghostlight, the time monster. Terror of the Autons, Underworld. Let's see what they got. Four seasons. Yeah, because that'd be fairly interesting to see again. Wow, buy the season for seven bucks. Not bad. Oh, no, that's see that's Oh, but that's, that's only that's just buying Creature from the Pit for seven yeah, bucks. Yeah, that's not as good as they <sighs> Well that's when I've you got... automate things. <laughs> I've got almost all of these. I could just send them to you. It would be fun to get together again and just watch some classic Doctor Who. Well come on over. Okay. <laughs> I'll get in my um the Luther jet. <laughs> And uh, flying over. Anyway. So there you go. Oh, Doctor Who, the croutons. <laughs> oh, those were tasty. <laughs> uh, ah. Anyway. There, oh, look. The second Doctor. Hmm. Mm. Jamie, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I love the second Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, any any final thoughts? I think uh, that's just about it for me. All right. Bri, Bri? I'm good. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Oh, Thanks, no Joe. Oh, I'm not going to hang up on you. I'm just going to stop recording. Right. I know. I was just ah! saying that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye.